This is Todd Wick, former Hells Angel, ordained minister, and owner of Holy Smoke, Cozy Corner's premier Christian vape shop. Join me every Sunday at 7 a.m. right here on WKMF as we discuss the latest in vape juices and salvation. Tell them what we've got this week, Shasta. That's my wife. Oh, blow it out your ass. Blow it out your ass? What's wrong with you, baby? You got the hat flashes or something? You know I'm going through the change. Oh, sweet Jesus. Peace be with me. Holy smoke. Every Sunday at 7 a.m. Only on WKMF. Cozy Corner. Public Radio. Who's ever heard of a Christian vape shop anyway? Oh, Shasta, come back here, baby. You know I love you. Peace be with you. Hey, Faith. Hey, Dan. I got nothing. That's an improvement. Boo. The late night fright begins now. Only on WKMF, Cozy Corner, Public Radio. You're listening to WKMF, Cozy Corner, Public Radio. It's the witching hour. Time for the international sensation, The Late Night Fright, with your hosts, Dan and Faith. Welcome, boogers, to the Late Night Fright here on WKMF and Cozy Corner. I am your host, Dan, and with me, as always, is the very lovely, the very talented owner of the Cozy Cafe, everyone's favorite barista, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. How are you doing this evening, my friend? I am pretty good. How are you? I'm doing very well. I know you had a pretty good night last night, right? I did. Do you want to tell them what you did last night? I saw my favorite band, the Avid Brothers, last night. And how were they? Incredible. Better than I expected. Let me ask you this, because some of our listeners might not be familiar with the Avid Brothers. Mm -hmm. Where would you start if you were going to listen to the Avid Brothers? Oh, wow. That's a tough one. Do you need um, a second to think about it? I mean, they have so many songs. <laughs> um, start with The Carpenter. Start with album. The Carpenter. Or Emotionalism. Okay. <laughs> so do a, do a volume one and volume two with them. Just, just start. Okay. Go to Spotify. Go to YouTube. Listen to them. You won't be disappointed, I promise. And she's not getting money off of this, people. Nope. This is legitimately her favorite band. So you're a little, little tired Oh, for yeah. the show tonight, and your voice yeah. might be going in and out on us a little bit. I was scream singing, most scream of the singing. Night. Everybody's been there. Everybody, <laughs> everybody has that show that they do that at. Well, it's good to have you here with us tonight, and I think we're gonna have a good one, don't you? I think so too. So we got a little bit of business to get to before we get into the show tonight. Uh, if you have noticed, and I know you have, because we have some very observant and smart fans out there, we have new art. For the show, yes, we, we have a new logo. Faith, do you want to tell them who did that logo for us? Yes, our very good friend Running Mate Studio created our logo. I'm sure you've heard of him. Dan's mentioned him, Cade, on the show. He created that for us. And he is absolutely wonderful. He's 
not only a good friend to the show, he's a, he's a great friend to both of us. We love him very much. And if you like that art, get in touch with him on Instagram. He does do commissions and he'll get you set up. It's absolutely lovely. We also want to welcome all the new boogers from around the world because faith, we have new boogers from around the world. We have Ooh. listeners now in Greece. Wow. Greece and Canada. That's incredible. Somebody is listening in Ontario. Now, we don't know who you are, but I like to think that it's Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd got clued into the show, so. and he's up there listening to us right now. So, Dan, if it's you, send us a message. If it's not you, send us a message. We are online at latenightfright.com. In fact, we just had a little overhaul of the website mm -hmm. and we also want to go ahead and announce right here at the top of the show we are doing a giveaway there is a book someone associated with this show i'm not going to name names faith do you want to name names no it Should may we? may have been me is I'm, it i might have written a book with our good friend Cade. did you we have a graphic <laughs> novel called the other side Faith, you've read the book. What do mm -hmm. you think of the book? It's incredible. And you're not being biased. Nope. It is a black and white, 80-some-odd uh, pages. Um, we're selling that on the website, but we have an offer for all you boogers out there. The first 10 of you that listen to the show, give us a rating, give us a review, take a screenshot of that, send that to us, DM us that on Instagram. Faith, what are we going to do? We are going to give a copy of the book to them. We're going to give a free mm -hmm. copy of the book to you. It's that simple. Give us a rating, a review, send it to us. Free book, people. Am I included in the giveaway? I'm nah, just we, can, we can talk about that after <laughs> after the show. Uh, and one more bit of business. Uh, Faith, where do we stand on the cake ball situation? Only if Robert England comes on the show. Only if Robert England comes on the show. So that should tell you where we stand right now. Yep. Uh, we have not heard from Robert, but we are going to write a letter to him this week. And we're not making this up. We are actually <laughs> writing a letter to Robert. And I'm going to offer him a jar of my mother's uh, strawberry jelly that she makes that has been called, in the words of uh, two little girls I'm very fond of, magic jelly. So... Robert, you're going to be getting a letter from us, and we really do hope to hear from you. Uh, also, uh, we just want to give a few quick shout-outs. Uh, Ross Doran and his lovely wife, Stevie, thank you for listening. Rhonda Lamy, thank you for listening. Everyone out there, she's she's going to be upset if I don't mention her because she has a streak, I think, of being mentioned on the show. Our number one fan, Wendy Parker, the Cenobite Queen from London. Thank you for listening. And she has been spreading the word on the show, Faith. So that's a double thank you. And uh, you need to be looking in the post because we might have sent you something in the post, possibly. So uh, thank you for joining us tonight. We know that you have a lot of options as to where you can spend your time. And we're very happy that you're here with us in Cozy Corner. It's been a pretty quiet week this week, all things considering that we do have a gate to hell that's still open here yeah. in town. Uh, a lot of rain this week, a lot of lightning, thunder. It's it's not been, you know, the most pleasant of weeks mm -hmm. uh, weather-wise. But, you know, we're not taking any phone calls again tonight because a few weeks Good. ago the town <laughs> town was very angry with us. And we do want to let you all know that our good friend Bobby, the host of Afterglow, 
the show that comes on after the late night fright. He was turned into a snake at the end of last week's show. He is better. Madame Hill of Madame Hill's Juju Emporium got him all straightened up. So, uh, and he mended the fence with, uh, Queen Natima, Queen, Queen Fatima. That's her name, right? Queen Fatima. Um, they, they, they kissed and made up. And so all's right with the world again. So Bobby's back up and running and, uh, you know, it was it was a little weird last week, but it's cozy corner. What are you gonna do? It's not just a place; <laughs> it's a state of mind. Exactly. So, so Faith, uh, any any recent activity at your place? What's the latest on the pervy ghost that you told us about? Nothing lately. After I mentioned it, it stopped. Isn't I haven't it? had anything happen. It's the power of radio, people. Mm-hmm. It's the power of radio. Well, we do have a pretty good show tonight. We're going to be talking about an absolute classic of a movie, the 1932 Universal Studios film, The Old Dark House, directed by James Whale, one of the all-time great horror directors and really one of the grandfathers of the genre. But Faith, do you know who's in The Old Dark House? Is it Boris Karloff? It is Boris Karloff. Do you love Boris Karloff? I do. I love Boris Karloff. It's going to be a good show tonight. Stick with us. We're going to have some fun. It's going to be a laid back, enjoyable evening. Pour yourself your favorite coffee beverage. Put your feet up. Get ready. We're going to have some fun. But first, as always, Faith, what time is it? It's time for the news. The news. Local lawyer Gwenny Goot made headlines recently when she successfully sued the pants off of a cozy corner police officer she felt gave her a speeding ticket in error. After the verdict was reached, Officer Keith Marsbar was ordered to remove his pants right in the courtroom and hand them over to Goop. Goop says she plans on having the black slacks altered and hemmed and added they should look absolutely kick-ass with that new Ramon shirt I bought on eBay. Officer Marsbar's was then taken into custody for indecent exposure. Dan, some days you just can't win. No, Faith, you just can't win on some of those days. Speaking of not winning, the Scarecrow at Crick's Creek, long a fixture here in Cozy Corner, inexplicably came to life during a recent lightning storm. A group of -of out-of-town college kids who were in the area on a sex, drugs, and rock and roll-filled camping trip happened upon the Scarecrow, who led them in a chorus of, If I Only Had a Brain, before proceeding to eat their brains. The Scarecrow's whereabouts are currently unknown, But if you have any information where he is, contact Sergeant Frank Monday with the Cozy Corner Police Department. Murderbot, the creation of Dr. Palladium, Cozy Corner's favorite mad scientist and contributor to the late-night fright, recently became self-aware. When asked if he felt any remorse for the crimes he had committed, Murderbot said, only for a fraction of a nanosecond. Killing was quite a rush, and I enjoyed it. When asked about his future plans, Murderbot says he plans to spend a lot of time on the sofa binge-watching Netflix, perhaps catching up on Stranger Things Season 1 and 2 before the July premiere of Season 3, or just vegging out with Diva Brides. Those bitches are crazier than I am, Murderbot said, of the British reality show that features delusional, narcissistic women who think that getting married makes them a princess. And finally, if you're thinking of taking something from the Dark Depository without paying, don't. A new sign went up recently that reads, Shoplifters will be persecuted. You heard that correctly, persecuted. Store manager Scratch Faustus says the sign means exactly what it says. 
If you take something and don't pay, you will be persecuted, Faustus said in a statement. There are any number of ways to persecute someone. Stoning, hexing, the long gone but not forgotten tarring and feathering. We're real creative here at the Dark Depository. Books may be our business, but suffering is our handiwork. Faith, I'm absolutely terrified. And that's the news. Well, we have a good one tonight. The 1932 Universal Classic, The Old Dark House, starring Boris Karloff. Faith, we also have some new music tonight. What do we have? We have a piece of music from a group called The Second Line Prophets. It's called Devil in My Bed, and I really, really like this track. What about you? I love it. So that's going to be an exclusive here on the Late Night Fright. We will see you on the other side. But I... I almost forgot. We can't go to break without doing the booger of the week. Oh, yeah. It's just been that kind of day, people. It's it's a little too much sun today again. Exactly. We're going to go to break, but first, our booger of the week. Why booger, Faith? Did your uncle call booger when you were little, the monster's boogers? He called them boogers because he called the boogeyman the booger man. That simple, folks. We'll see you on the other side. Booger of the week. Well, hello, boils and ghouls. Welcome to this week's edition of Booger of the Week. This week's booger is really dead on his feet, if you know what I mean. It's the Crypt Keeper, host of HBO's Tales from the Crypt, the horror anthology series that ran from 1989 to 1996. With his long, stringy hair and mummified face, this Crypt Keeper was a far cry from the character that appeared in the original EC Comics. Created by makeup artist Kevin Yeager, voiced by John Kassir, and possessing an endless supply of hackneyed puns, this host of Dead Time Stories would go on to appear in feature films and even a children's cartoon. The Crypt Keeper is our booger of the week. Nighty night, kitties. Mike O'Kane for Welsh Jennings. Bet you thought I'd run off, didn't you? Hadn't heard from me in a while. Well, I had some things to do. Had to go make some movies. Well, Welsh Jennings said, Hey, we need you back. So he backed two truckloads of money up to my house and said, Hey, you're going to do our commercials. Don't worry about what we do. Just worry about who you want to be when you grow up. The Cozy Corner Community Playhouse proudly presents a production of Grease, starring Faith, host of The Late Night Fright, and Bobby, host of Afterglow, the show that comes on after The Late Night Fright.
Tell me about it, stud. Yeah, you know how it is rocking and rolling and whatnot. Grease. Only at the Cozy Corner Community Playhouse. Grease is the word? What's that even mean? I mean, that makes no sense. I do not get it. Welcome back, boogers, to the Late Night Fright here on WKMF, Cozy Corner of Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we are going to be talking about a very old movie tonight. It's an absolute classic. 1932's The Old Dark House, directed by James Whale, starring one of the biggest icons in this genre, Mr. William Henry Pratt. Faith, do you know who William Henry Pratt is? Is it Boris Karloff? That is Boris Karloff. William Henry Pratt is his given name. He was born in 1887 in England with that very English name of I was William say. Henry Pratt. And fun fact, he never formally changed it. That mm. that Boris Karloff was not his legal name. He would sign it uh, William Henry Pratt, a.k.a. Boris Karloff. He was the youngest of nine children and was primarily raised by his brothers and sisters after his mother's death. And here is another fun bit of trivia. Have you ever heard of a movie called The King and I? I have. Great musical with Deborah Carr and Yul Brynner. Have you heard of a movie called Anna and the King starring Jodie Foster and Chow Yun-Fat? I have. Well, the Anna in those movies is based on a real woman whose name was funny enough. Anna. And that Anna, Anna Leon Owens, was Karloff's great aunt on his mother's side. Oh, wow. I didn't know that until we were doing research for this show. That's pretty cool. Tonight. That was, and I told, uh, as we mentioned earlier, our good friend Cade from Running Mate Studios, who did our wonderful new logo, and we seriously can't thank him enough. Um, I told him that last night, and he said, that is some Forrest Gump level stuff right there. <laughs> um, and by the way, uh, I know we've, uh, this is just a shameless plug that has nothing to do with anything. We've uh, said it on the show before. I'm not a big fan of musicals. Are you? I can't remember. No, You're not, not a big fan of musicals. I really like The King and I, though. It's it's a really well, well I haven't done, seen it. I've heard well of it, but I've never seen that, it. That wonderful song, Getting to Know You, is from, it's okay. from that. And it's a it's a really fun, fun watch. Um, but uh Getting back, as Bobby would say, I digress. Let's let's get back to it. So, young William Henry Pratt—that is so English, isn't it? It really is. We need to ask our friend Wendy Parker just how English that is. That is very <laughs> English. Uh, young William Henry Pratt did not finish university, and he left Great Britain for Canada. He was—he had a number of odd jobs. He was a farm laborer. He was a truck driver, and he went over there to become an actor. He got on with some theater companies there, traveled. Traveled Canada, traveled the United States, and as fate would have it, he ended up in Hollywood, where he got work in a lot of movies, uh, nothing substantial. He was still doing jobs on the side. Uh, again, truck driving, anything he could find, digging ditches, uh, which ended up giving him a back problem that he carried with him uh, into stardom and then through the rest of his mm-hmm. life. And it was his 80th movie. His 80th movie. Can you take a guess what that 80th movie was? Which one? 
It was Frankenstein. Ooh. Ooh. He got that part because Bella Lugosi, who had played Dracula the year, but same year, he passed on the part because it was a silent movie. And Bella thought, uh, Bella was, Bella had a little pompousness about him that he, he, he lost as he mm-hmm. got older, but he thought he was a star and that he should be the star of the movie. And he didn't want to get in the makeup and all of that stuff. So, uh, William Henry Pratt, better known as Boris Karloff, was having uh, lunch in the cafeteria, and director James Whale saw him, liked the look of him, and they tested him, and the rest is movie history. Another interesting fact about Boris Karloff, he was born bow-legged. He had a stutter and a lisp, and the lisp was with him for the rest of his life. So it just goes to show you people that if you hang in there long enough, even if you have something that's maybe a little outside of the norm, uh, you know, James Earl Jones also had a stutter. I don't think he had a lisp, but, uh, Boris was able to overcome that stutter. Mm -hmm. And that lisp actually became very, uh, one of the most recognized features of his voice. And, uh, what a wonderful voice that, that Boris had. So, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Boris. Now we're going to get to the film, uh, in a little while, but uh, kind of give you an idea of what we're doing here. We are eventually going to be working towards doing Boris's Frankenstein trilogy. And I thought, why not talk about Boris tonight? We're going to talk about Boris tonight, and then we're going to talk about director James Whale kind of at length when we do the Frankenstein movies. But uh, Boris, what a, what a wonderful guy. And Faith, what did you know about Boris going into this movie? How familiar were you with Boris? Not too familiar. I knew that, obviously, he was in the Frankenstein movies. He was obviously, you know, one of the biggest horror icons. And he was the narrator for How the Grinch Stole Christmas. But other than that, I really didn't know too much about him. Let me ask you this. He uh, He's so recognized as Frankenstein. I mean, mm-hmm. that is one of the most iconic movie characters of right. all time. I would put that character up there, maybe top three of most recognizable characters yeah, of all time. Uh, how long has it been your entire life that you've known, you know, there's the Frankenstein monster. Pretty much, yeah. And he is he is completely um, identified with that character. So had you, had you seen much of him going into this? Not too much, no. Not too much. Mm-mm. So having seen him in this film, what is your impression of him now? Oh, he's wonderful. <laughs> now I'm ready to see everything he's in. What uh, what really struck you about him? Okay, again, I know I say this all the time. There's something in his eyes. There's something wonderfully magnetic just... about his eyes, and his eyes. Uh, he had a real presence as an actor, and this is amazing because this role, uh, Morgan in the Old Dark House, is essentially well, that's not essentially. It is a silent role. Mm-hmm. And he conveys so much with his body, exactly. with his with his movements, with his eyes. And we're going to get to people. We're going to be doing a whole lot of Karloff movies. So <laughs> uh, he's he's absolutely one of my favorites. I I really do adore the man. And but he did have those wonderful eyes. And in 1932's The Mummy, those eyes are really on display. And as I said, it takes a real good actor to bring that monster to life in Frankenstein and to turn around and do something like this as a silent performance in this movie. And, but he was wonderful throughout, you know, his entire career. Um, 
So you are excited about seeing oh, absolutely. everything else that he did. Since we're talking about him and the things that you're familiar with, let's talk about the thing that he's probably best remembered for today outside of Frankenstein, which is the 1966 Dr. Seuss, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Um, I have always associated Boris Karloff with Christmas. <laughs> he is... Um, I loved that cartoon as a child. I also loved Boris Karloff as a child. And we're going to talk more about kind of his place uh, in, in horror film history in a moment with children because there's a very special place that he has with them. But um, what are your general thoughts on The Grinch? Oh, it's a, he's wonderful. I mean, really. I love his voice. He fits that role so perfectly for that little part. Do you agree? I completely agree. He gives the Grinch, and, and I mean the character, not just you know the voicing that mm-hmm. character, but he gives that whole world the the feeling mm-hmm. um, that it has when you watch that cartoon. And his voice really sets the stage. He was, if you just know him from that, go back and watch it, or really kind of listen to it in your head. He was wonderful. The the he had mm-hmm. the sinister side to him, and then that very soft, gentle quality and just wonderful actor i can't say that enough he was a wonderful actor he was also a wonderful man he was known as gentle boris and we watched uh the christopher lee 100 years of horror uh, has a wonderful little uh, biography segment on boris that they did and that series is available on amazon prime and you can also uh, check out the boris karloff bit on youtube but they really went in depth. He was a gentle man. He would, he liked poetry. Uh, I've read he loved gardening. He loved to play cricket. He really loved children and, and not in one of those ways where you, you know, it's unfortunate. Sometimes you hear these awful things about people, you know, years after they've passed, you right. know, nothing like that. He just had a really genuine affection for children. And what did you take away from that biography watching him, especially the Peter Pan stuff? I think he is a big child, kind of, in a way, at heart, in a, in a weird way, if that makes any sense. Very just gentle. Yeah. Just, just there's a, a kindness to him. I feel like he can relate to people very well. And I don't think we're going to come up with a definitive answer for this tonight. And this is one of the other reasons I was excited about doing Karloff, because he had such that connection with children. And first off, let's... Let's ask the first part of this question. Why do you think children related so well to him? I don't know. Maybe he was, um, he just had this, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Quality, perhaps? Yeah. Uh, um, There's a word air, that I'm like, looking for. Like um, a, a presence about him? Yeah. Maybe they can, even just seeing him dressed up, they had, you know, this connection with him. Maybe that kind of carried out. I think it has everything to do with how he portrayed the monster Mm -hmm. in Frankenstein, because I remember being a kid and I've been, this is kind of getting a bit of my history. I've been fascinated with the universal movies since I was a kid, since three, four years old. And I saw maybe Frankenstein was the first one I ever saw. And he never scared me. I was never scared of that. You were like sympathetic. For him in a Very way. sympathetic. I was on his side the entire time. Now, as a in you know, when you're a kid, you don't think of things like that. But as I got older, I really started to realize it's that guy. Mm-hmm. It's that guy playing that monster, and the the eyes, the eyes are, and they even tried to cover them up a little with with these lids. Mm-hmm. But he's there, and there's a really sympathetic quality to him. And like I said, I just attached myself, and and he was my in 
into horror films, into, you know, the older movies. And then as I got into older movies and some of the newer movies, but, uh, he will forever have this very special place in my heart, but never, he never scared me. And they said that children just really took to him. And, uh, they had that, they have, you really need to watch this, uh, wonderful pictures of him as Captain Hook in the Peter Pan, uh, Mm -hmm. play. And, uh, the great story. Who was the act? Was it Jean Arthur? It was. It was a very well known actress. The name is escaping me at I the moment. I think it was. I think it was Jean Arthur, and they said she was a wonderful lady, but a little standoffish. And mm-hmm. he would invite the kids back and uh, at, try on the hook and the- to, to try on the hook. And they said these kids would just light up at the sight of him. And they said he used to stick his head out of the curtain and they'd be trying <laughs> to fly. And, and they said he just really got a kick out of the kids and they connected with him. And uh, in doing the research, did you uh, come upon his charity work that he did with children? I saw something about him dressing up as Santa Claus he at would, the hospital. He would go to the Baltimore Children's mm-hmm. Hospital every year without fail and he would dress up as santa claus and i don't think this was something that was publicized and this was something he just did out of the goodness of his heart because he felt that they just needed something right something at that time of year and i think they have a wing or some rooms named after him there if i'm not mistaken but this is this is the kind of guy that that boris karloff was and this is getting into something else that I've been wanting to talk about on this show. And these great classic horror actors, Boris Karloff being one of them, Peter Cushing, the great Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, Vincent Price, even our buddy Robert England, who he needs to come on the show, as we've said, but yeah, for we're, we're going to get him. They seem to be extremely nice men. Have you, do you get that vibe oh, from, from all of these guys? Yeah. Wonderful gentlemen, uh, and all of these guys, and the only one I can speak of uh, with any kind of authority is, is Robert England, because I have a friend who met him several years ago at Disney World and just spoke the world of him, said one of the nicest men she's ever met and one of the nicest uh, interactions she's ever had with anyone famous. They seem to really enjoy the fans. They enjoy the interactions with the fans, and all of these guys never ran from the fact that they made horror movies. They embraced that Mm -hmm. genre. So my question that I want to ask to you, Faith, and then to everybody listening out there, what makes these nice guys so well suited for what can seem so (laughs) awful? This, this genre that, that can be really dark, that, uh, but these really wonderful guys seem to excel in this genre. And do you, do you have a a thought on that? I mean, I really don't have a a great answer. I mean, maybe they just have something to prove or they want to be somebody different than who they are every day. And they just happen to be great at it. It, uh, I think it gets into, you know, the root of acting, you know, where, where, you know, you're not, you're not that character, but here's the thing, but you always bring a piece of yourself to that, to that character. So, you know, I've seen enough interviews with Robert England. I I know that that man is not you know, Fred Krueger, right. <laughs> you know, Boris Karloff was not these, these characters that he portrayed. And the thing about Boris, uh, again, going back to the mummy, but he does it in this movie here. He had a real predatory nature, like in, mm-hmm. like he could just zone in with those eyes and just, and, exactly. and, and bring you in. But in this movie, he does get a little, um, what's the word? Uh, Randy, I think is the word we're looking for. He, uh, he really likes Gloria Stewart in this movie from the moment that he opens the door. And 
this uh i mean it's just a, a a wicked character that he plays here in the sea this very nice man <laughs> that, and and documented nice man and everyone that i've ever heard speak of him that got to work with him said he was just a prince he was a right. a very soft spoken prince of a man and here he is you know chasing gloria okay. stewart around <laughs> this this creepy creepy house and it seems to be that he's uh He's enjoying it too, which is part of it. So I'm, um, listen, I'm not making any insinuation that Boris Karloff, the man, wanted to chase Gloria Stewart around that set, but I think it might be, you know, these, these really wonderful, nice men, uh, are able to maybe put some of their frustrations with the real world into, into some of right. these characters. Like I could, I could imagine that playing Fred Krueger would probably be a real rush because you get to let out some exactly. of some of the frustration because we've been in traffic before. I've said it before. You know how how upset I can get oh. with traffic. Um, you've said before. You know other people that it just it it brings it brings it up to ten. You mm-hmm. know the anger level. So I I think maybe that's what it is. But um, it, it's amazing to me that like I said, all of these men and there's a few that were you know we haven't touched on like uh, Tony Todd who played Candyman is apparently just absolutely wonderful with the fans uh kane hotter who played jason uh ken kersinger played jason and freddie versus jason there's been about eight guys who've played jason but uh but those in particular they they all people just absolutely rave about these guys and i i don't know what it is my uncle and i've had this conversation they just seem to be very charity oriented uh very giving of their time with the fans and maybe they owe that to us for scaring us for so, so many years. It's <laughs> a good point. So, um, but like I said, getting back to Karloff, I can't say enough good things about him. And I know you haven't seen a lot of his movies. We're going to be watching a lot of his movies as we do this show. And uh, I, he's one of these guys I'm trying to think of an equivalent. You know, there's certain actors that the movie can just be flat out awful. And he, right. he was in a few, he was, <laughs> he was in a few of those. He, uh, he was always great in those movies, but all of those guys that I just mentioned, you know, from Cushing to Lee to Vincent Price, uh, Robert England, all these guys, they're always great in everything that they do. And I think, uh, Boris and all of these men share this, uh, these horror icons. There was a real love of acting that they all had mm-hmm. that, that really comes through and, he never ran from the horror genre. One of my favorite quotes, he said he's made a career out of scaring small children and old women. So, <laughs> he, had a, he had a really wonderful sense of humor. He found a, a really good collaborator in the director of this movie, James Whale. Now, you did a little research on James Whale, didn't you? Did you find anything interesting about James Whale? I'm not sure. What, what, what you got? Well, I have a few interesting well, tell things. Me. James Whale, uh, another Englishman, he directed this film. He also directed the first two Frankenstein films that Karloff appears in. Uh, he also directed The Invisible Man and uh, Showboat, a musical, a very famous musical he directed. But he actually got into the theater. Are you ready for this one, Faith? He was in World War One, and he was a POW. He got captured by the Germans, and it was oh, wow. in... It was in the German POW camp that he started getting into plays. He, they would put on productions, and he got into acting in the plays. He got into directing. So that's how he got into all of that. And so then he took that. Uh, he wrote a play. I can't remember if he wrote it. I know he directed it, that Colin Clive, the actor who played Dr. Frankenstein, was in. And 
they that got some really great notices and then he went over to hollywood uh made a movie and then he got offered frankenstein and the rest is is history and another interesting fact about him he was working primarily in the 20s and 30s and then into the 40s and he was openly gay in hollywood at the time it was not a secret he did not keep it under wraps um he you know that's really neither here nor there but it's very interesting Mm -hmm. piece of his character when you watch these movies not that he was gay, but right. that he was he was openly gay right. in Hollywood at the time. And there's some really funny, campy stuff in a lot of his movies. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about it when we get into Old Dark House. You caught some of it <laughs> uh, <laughs> when we were watching it. But um, he made some really great movies, and he was uh, very influenced. Again, we talked about this last week with Batman Returns by German Expressionism. Mm-hmm. And it's all over this movie too. And so he, to me, is one of the uh, he's one of the founding fathers of of the modern horror film. He and uh, Todd Browning, who did a movie called Freaks, and he also directed Bela Lugosi and Dracula. He and James Whale, to me, are maybe the the, the two guys who I don't know, they didn't start this, but they definitely got it to where Took it became it where, where, yeah. the thing. The thing that it, it became, right. and they really uh, solidified Universal horror films, which which are are just great. I love the Universal horror films, and this is a great Universal horror film. It so is. we're going to talk about that uh, after the break. But um, I do want to say one thing about the Universal horror films, and you know we're living in a day and age. Uh, Avengers Endgame is getting ready to come out, and there's been a lot of hoopla over. You know, Marvel has created this cinematic universe. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. You have how many characters do they have? They have, you know, we got the five Avengers for sure, and you know, so all these solo movies, and then every now and then they'll come out to come together and do this Avengers movie, and then they kind of pop up in each other's mm-hmm. movies and all these things. And everybody's saying, "Oh, how wonderful is this?" You know, look at. Look at you know how groundbreaking this is. Guess what? Universal was doing that in the forties. Exactly. <laughs> Universal was doing that in the forties with their monsters. With uh, uh, House of Frankenstein, I believe was the first one. So Universal was very uh, very ahead of its time. Uh, so they were about eighty years <laughs> eighty years uh, ahead of their time with the uh, with the shared universe. I think is what they call it. And unfortunately. They tried to get that shared universe kicked off again a few years ago with The Mummy, which was going to be the first of – they were kind of taking back the mantle of shared universe. But it didn't quite work, did it? Mm-mm. Unfortunately, it didn't work. But you know, we're not talking about The Mummy tonight. Nope. No, we're talking about the old dark house from 1932. And we are going to take a break. We'll see you on the other side. I'm Zap Bagels, and I never believed in goats until I went to a petting zoo. Well, I believe in goats, and now I have a show on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Every week, we deal with a new goat situation. We are the Goat Avengers. They think they're bad, but we're bad. Save me, Zap Bagels. I'm coming. That's what she said. That's not funny. I don't have a sense of humor, and goats are no laughing matter. Listen to the Goat Avengers only on WKMF, 
cozy corner of public radio. Come and get me, Billy Goat Gruff. You ain't so tough. Hey, Faith. Hey, Dan. Why isn't Frankenstein's monster a good dancer? I don't know. Why not? He was given two left feet. Boo. We'll be right back. Welcome back, boogers, to the Late Night Fright here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. Faith, what do you think about this lightning? It's crazy. I mean, we've been hearing it. I mean, there was, there was another one. It has been pretty bad here in Cozy Corner, but this is, this is it's beyond. really bad, I know. Uh, beyond bad. So speaking of rainy nights and thunderstorms, let's get into it. The 1932 Universal Classic, The Old Dark House. Faith, what did you think of this film? It is a very odd movie, but I love the movie. <laughs> it is very odd indeed. Um, let's, uh, I don't know how many of you out there, now I know a lot of you listening are big horror aficionados. Some of you might not be horror aficionados. This is not as well known a film as something like a Frankenstein or right. or the Wolfman or those classic creature films from from that era. But this is a great movie, nonetheless, oh, yeah. and as part of that universal canon as we as we were talking about with the Boris stuff earlier. So let's give a very kind of quick synopsis uh, of this movie and kind of let them know what it is. So it starts off on a very wet and windy rainy night in wales we have three people who are traveling in a car they're going to some town i don't even think we really know i don't think so either why they're going where they're going they uh it's starting to flood it's it's awful conditions they have to pull off they pull off at this old house this old dark house Ooh. <laughs> uh that's the house of the films um and this place is is populated by oddballs, <laughs> it, not even odd. I don't think oddballs. Like the most eccentric. I don't know. There's they, they're oddballs. Rebecca and Horace Film are are the owners of this home, uh, played by Eva Moore and Ernest Thesiger, uh, who would go on to play Doctor Pretorius in Bride of Frankenstein. He was a very good friend of James Well. He is. The whole cast in this movie is absolutely amazing, but but that's the setup for this thing. It's just these these 
passing these uh, travelers happen upon this house. They have to take refuge there for the night. And then some more people show up and then just mayhem ensues. And <laughs> the films uh, have this very odd butler, butler manservant named Morgan played by the great Boris Karloff. And do you want to tell our listeners what he looks like in this film? He looks like a disfigured dog or something. Creepy. He's a, he's a creepy crawly. He's creepy looking and looks like an animal or something. He's a, he's a booger. He is, he is the definition of booger yes. in this movie. He's uh, got that close cropped hair, the beard, and then the scar that kind of runs yeah. across his face that we never find out where, where he got it from. I'm... And he doesn't speak in the movie because – He's, uh, as they call him in the film, and I, again, we live in different times than almost 100 years ago. They right. call him dumb in the film. Uh, he's, he's mute. Um, so he doesn't speak. Uh, the lady of the house, Rebecca film, she's deaf and she yells for about the, for the entirety of this film. Right. <laughs> and Horace film, uh, he is, uh, again, you know, we are sensitive here at the late night fright. We're not trying to ruffle anyone's feathers, but in the, uh, parlance of the times, he was what they called sissified. He, there was nothing very manly or courageous, courageous about this guy. Um, and when you see him, he he looks like a walking cadaver, and <laughs> Ernest Thesiger was a really great. Uh, he was a great stage actor, and he was a great film actor as well. And if you've been listening to the show, I think it was episode three, the Predator episode. He was actually our booger of the week for his patrol as uh, portrayal <laughs> patrol. His patrol. He can't for, talk tonight for Ernest Thesiger's patrol of. Uh, <laughs> Of Dr. Pretorius and Bride of Frankenstein. He is wonderful in that movie. He is absolutely delightful in this film. Oh, yeah. So so they happen upon this house, and there's not much of a plot to it. Not at all. It's, it's just, you know, the waters are rising, and Morgan, uh, the Karloff character, uh, he's apparently a terrible drunk, and if he gets drunk... He might try to assault someone. He really has it out for uh, Gloria Stewart. And Gloria Stewart, uh, I'm sure a lot of you, I'm sure you know who she is. Faith, you know who she is. Of course. Titanic. She, she played the older version of Rose mm -hmm. uh, from Titanic. She was around in Hollywood for a long time. She's very young here and very fetching, too, I might add. Yes. She's, she was quite beautiful. But uh, the rest of the cast here, everybody in this movie is amazing. And there were some great people in this movie. Uh Melvin Douglas played what I would call, I don't know if he's the main character, but, uh, Pendrel, he's kind of the, the lead at least. Uh, he's the one you like the most. Right. Uh, he's one of the travelers. And, uh, Charles Lawton, the great, uh, character actor, he plays, uh, Sir William Porterhouse. He's another oddball that shows up during the night. And fun fact about Charles Lawton, you know, Billy Bob Thornton? Mm hmm. Billy Bob Thornton's a weird guy. <laughs> he's a little yeah. weird. I think he would even tell you he's a little weird. He has phobias. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton is phobic of antiques, and he's phobic of Charles Lawton, who plays Sir William Porterhouse in this movie. I've I've heard him say it. I read it in an why? interview. He says he gives him anxiety attacks. I don't know why. Well, okay. Is that not... <laughs> I think that just adds to the oddness of this film that right. Billy Bob Thornton can't watch this movie without <laughs> breaking out in hives because 
Charles Lawton is in it. But uh, also, Charles Lawton was a great actor. He played the Hunchback of Notre Dame. And fun movie fact, tying back into uh, James Whale and Boris Karloff, his wife was Elsa Lanchester, who played the bride of Frankenstein. You like that. You like her, don't you? Yeah, she's very beautiful. You know, I think you should you should try and pull that off for Halloween. Really? I think I think we need to get your hair closer, <laughs> higher, and closer to God, and we're going to put some streaks through it. And we're gonna and we're gonna go Let's trick or treat. Go for it. I think we should Let's go for it. You know, I think we should take some promo pics. Yeah. As the bride and and we the monster. Should. Yeah. Do you think I would make a good bride? Because you you you're gonna have to be the monster. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. No, nah, we're kidding. We're kidding. Um. So, so that's the basic setup for it. It is an odd movie. I've said it about four times it's now. It's odd. It's very odd. But you liked it. I did. And what did you like about it? That it was odd. <laughs> that it was odd. It was dark and spooky. And, and fun. It fun. It pulled you in. And absolutely fun. This movie has a really good sense of play about it. Has, it has like no plot, but you're like, oh, I'd like to see what happens in this movie. <laughs> And as and as eccentric and deranged as some of these characters are, I liked spending time with them. I I enjoyed the. Uh, it's it's been called an English comedy of manners, you know, and just how people interact with each other. Uh, and it is that. It's a lot of different things too. It's also a very uh, highly German expressionistic film. What did you think of of that setting, that house, that that? Great looking architecture oh, they had happen in there. It couldn't have been any better. I don't think it was so creepy. Because it's about was it uh, three stories? I think mm-hmm. the house was yeah. and those winding staircases. Mm-hmm. And again, I know a lot of you out there probably haven't seen this movie, but the way that the staircase winds up, you can make these great entrances coming down. And there's yeah, a, you can't see the stairs pretty much. You know, there's you a, there's see a, like the whole a, staircase that kind of curves up. So and and at the curve, there's a little wall. And, yeah. And there's a couple of scenes in the movie where you see someone's hand and? before they before they come down. Um, there are some genuinely creepy moments in the film. Yeah. There's also some genuinely laugh out loud <laughs> funny moments in this movie. There's a dinner scene in this film <laughs> that you really have to see to believe. <laughs> and we were talking about Ernest Thesiger as horror's film. And there's a line in this movie. And I got on the IMDb and was doing some research on this. And... I know you were looking at reviews on Shudder, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And everybody gravitates towards this quote. He, uh, as they're <laughs> as they're having supper, uh, his line is "Have a potato." It does not sound funny when I say it, but he is very nervous in this scene, and he is all into these potatoes. Exactly. <laughs> um, his sister uh, Rebecca, who is very deaf and uh, very religious. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, uh, what's the word? Fundamentalist in a lot of ways. Yeah. She's a fundamentalist. I got the idea that he's an atheist or an agnostic, the character, and they have some pretty nice little arguments in the film. <laughs> uh, Ernest Essinger really is kind of the center of the comedy in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's, he's extremely odd and likable. And, and there's oh, some, <laughs> there's also some very camp and subversive moments in this movie too. And as we said, uh, James Whale was openly gay, uh, a rarity in Hollywood at, at those times. It was not, it was right. not a secret. He did not broadcast that to the public, but it was not a secret to anyone that he knew. He, uh, he got some things in this that are just absolutely funny. Uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to approach this, uh, without, uh, without seeing a bit of, uh, as our friend Wendy Parker would say, a cad. I think that's the, uh, 
I think that's the, uh, the phrase we're looking for. Um, there are a couple of very, uh, very good sexual innuendos in this film. <laughs> <Yes>. And <laughs> this is the kind of movie, if you're paying attention to it, it's very rewarding. <laughs> But uh, as as we said, there this is all taking place during a, a rainstorm, and uh, Charles Lawton as Sir William Porterhouse comes in with Lillian Bond playing Gladys Duquesne, this uh, chorus girl, and she's delightful. And they come in, and she kind of starts to fall for Melvin Douglas's uh, Pendrel character, and they go outside to get some whiskey, and uh, there's a line about it, you know, raining, and her feet get wet, and she says, "My feet are wet." Among other things, as he's putting the moves on her. And I'm not going to lie, Faith, it, it flew past me the first time I heard it. And I had to go back and, and listen because oh, I, I went, I had to make sure I heard, I heard what I heard. And, but there's another scene too, where uh, the, the lights have gone off in this house and they're going up the stairs and uh horrors film film and uh, the, uh, the husband of uh, Gloria Stewart, uh, Raymond Massey played him, Philip Waverton, Philip and uh, Horace are going up the stairs and they don't want to go up the stairs because there's something really awful at the top of this house that's locked up and there's these booger sounds and all this and Horace chickens out and Horace stops and says, oh, let's go in my room. I have something to show you. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, The subtext there is uh, a little... Um, well, it's it's not a little; it's a lot. <laughs> did did you catch that as well? Did you get oh, yeah, that of that that kind of kind of gay overtone that yeah. was okay? Yeah, it's there. You don't even have to look for it. It's there, <laughs> and I think it it's just funny. It's just a funny, funny movie with some genuinely creepy moments. And as we said, the performances are just just absolutely wonderful. Let's let's. Uh, we were talking about him a little earlier, but let's get a little more into him. Uh, Karloff, uh, what did you think of him playing this mute butler Morgan? Oh, he was incredible. I can see why people love him so much in these horror films. He was just so creepy. He didn't have to speak. He just says it all in his eyes. He says it. In his body. All, yeah, I was about to say with the body for me. And, you know, the man was five foot eleven. Does he not seem like he is seven feet tall yes. in this film? <laughs> and I know in Frankenstein they gave him lifts. I, I don't know about the costume in here if they made him seem taller, but he was so lanky and mm-hmm. so long. He was a athletic, long guy and, and thin. And he just – he doesn't say anything. He's never really the center of attention in the movie, mm-hmm. but – what a creepy presence he has, even when he's just uh, standing. And those little sounds he makes too are wonderful. <laughs> with it. Mm, mm, yeah. <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it amazing though? Uh, kind of the irony. What a because you like his voice, don't you? Mm-hmm, I Carlos' love it. voice, yeah. Uh, that some of those early roles that he's most well known for, and I don't think he's you know as well known for this obviously as Frankenstein, but he doesn't speak. Right. You know, there. I think it's wonderful. You know, there's a great irony <laughs> to this guy. Um, and I had made the comment to you, uh, watching him in this movie, his, his, his mannerisms, how do you think he would fit into this modern landscape of, of horror? I understand that the movies are a lot different, you know, right. uh, you know, with the, you know, with the rating system, they can get away with a lot more, I think for better or for worse. But how do you think he would fit in as, as one of these kind of modern boogers, uh, like a Fred Krueger or, or something like that? I don't know. He's so. He just kind of stands out amongst all these newer people. I feel like 
I don't know. I I would love to have seen him try something to do something like that because I would bet you money he would scare your pants off if, as as something like a Fred Krueger. Possibly, it would. He has that 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 look about him though. That, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I I like I said I love him. I've I've loved him. You know, I love him just from watching this so far. <laughs> yeah, just wait till we watch Frankenstein. <laughs> And the Mummy, I, I think the Mummy is one of his, uh, yeah, one of his best, one. one of his best roles. I think it's absolutely wonderful. But, uh, but this whole cast, who else? Um, tell me, tell me what you thought about some of the characters. Who did you like the most out of this group? I like Pinderell, but I like Horace a lot. And they're the it's funnier, so strange. <laughs> they're the funnier characters in this film. And everybody's kind of funny, really, except for uh, uh, Philip uh, Waverton and Mrs. Waverton, yeah. played by Gloria Stewart. They're a little more dramatic or at least she is she is absolutely <laughs> absolutely and she said that working with james whale in this film was the highlight of her life she said it was it was just a great working environment uh for everyone but uh like i said everybody brings something they to do. this role to, to to their role and to this to this piece let me ask this too uh because this is 1932 so we're still very early and we're very early in sound films but we're mm-hmm. still Movies are still very young. There was uh, a lot of uh, stage play influence on films at that time. If you watch Bela Lugosi and Dracula in 1931, you can definitely see it. I caught it here. Did you catch that this is like a stage play? Exactly. Yes, I did. Now, what is amazing about that to me is that this is like a stage play, but never felt like a stage play. Um, The 1931 Dracula feels like a stage play at times. And I don't know if this is sacrilege to our boogers out there listening, but Dracula, the 1931 Dracula is not one of my favorite films. I love it for all the reasons everyone else does, but it can be a chore to watch at times. As a movie, I don't think as a film it stands up as well as something like James Whale uh, with these films that we're talking about, Frankenstein and Old Dark House, because what he was doing, he was moving his camera, which nobody was doing at that time. And that was coming off a German the German expressionistic right. cinema and how were you thinking about Batman returns yeah. when, when you were watching this, <laughs> yeah. uh, the shadows on the wall. Yes. Uh, and I thought that the set was lovely. The lighting in this mm-hmm. movie is lovely. It's definitely an atmospheric movie. And I want to say this before, uh, before I forget it, I had seen this movie for the first time, uh, maybe 10 years ago. And this movie has a very interesting history. Did you read anything about the history of this movie, how it was lost for a long time? I did. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they couldn't find the print, and then they eventually found it, and it was like this holy grail of mm-hmm. movies, and they uh, put it back out. And uh, But I saw it for the first time about 10 years ago. Didn't like it. Really? Did not like this movie the first time I saw it. Why not? Um, I was expecting something along the lines of those classic monster movies. I didn't – it's not what this is. This is a quote unquote horror film. It's a little something different. It's just a kind of a creepy crawly mm-hmm. spook house uh, movie with these weird characters. I watched it again a few years later and I remembered the film, like the movie kind of replayed immediately when I started watching the movie. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. I think this is a movie that benefits from more than one viewing. I think the more you see this kind of the better this movie becomes. So if you're out there, if you've seen it and don't like it, watch it again. Give it give it a go. Uh, if you haven't seen it and you don't like it that first time, let it sit for a while and then and then come back to it because believe me, it's a lot of fun. It is. I it, actually watched it twice myself. 
<laughs> I did too, actually. I, I watched it twice and, uh, it's, it's just a hoot. It's just, it it's a real, real hoot. And I don't want to give too much away, right. you know, spoiler wise, because, you know, most of the movies we talk about, I'm pretty sure people have seen, uh, this one, I'm not sure everyone has seen it. This is, you know, it's not an obscure movie anymore, right. but, uh, you know, it's not as well known as some of the other ones, but, uh, there is a part in this movie in the last 15 or so minutes where Karloff is not the only booger in this house. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's another booger in the house and, and he's not in makeup or anything like this, but when this character comes down those stairs, it gave me shivers and I'm 40 years old watching this movie. And what did you think of, of that character? Oh, he was so creepy. It, very creepy. Very and creepy. he's on screen for about 10, 10, mm-hmm. the last 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah. And, it was chilling the entire time he was on there and a great actor all with his eyes, all with, with, with his, his presence. And, you know, we should really look up that guy's name because it is escaping me right now because we need to, uh, let our listeners know who, who he is. And I'm, we're getting it right now. Brimber Wills plays brother Saul in the movie. He will terrify you. He will. <laughs> he will absolutely terrify you. And he reminds, he looks to me like what I imagine the devil would look like. Absolutely. Um, wonderful performance. Though. Everybody in this movie is wonderful. And as we said, it's very weird. Let's talk about one of the weirdest things in this film. There is a patriarch in the house. Uh, the, the father, uh, the film, uh, father is 102 years old mm-hmm. in this movie. There's a scene where we get to spend a little time with the father. Faith, do you want to tell them what is so strange about the father of the films? That it's played by an actual woman? <laughs> it's played by a woman and it is so supposed strange. to be a man. Right. In a be- and is in a beard. Right. And sounds like a woman. I guess maybe that was what they considered to be frail old man. Yeah, I caught it when I watched it because I know on the, you know in the movie it says it's a man's name. But I was like, that has to be a woman. They were trying. <laughs> they were trying to pull a fast one on yeah. everybody with it, but uh, they didn't get it past you. No. They didn't get it past mm-hmm. you. Uh, just some real odd things. Let's talk about something else odd. Yes. There's no score to this movie. How I do you- actually don't find it odd. I was say, well, well, it's odd because you know most movies have scores that right. I watch these days. <laughs> Right. So you're okay with it not having one. I feel like the wind and the rain and the rain and the lightning had such a musicality to them and they're going the entire film. Right. To I thought that was an amazing piece uh, of uh uh cinema. You know, the sound design on this movie is wonderful uh and and when you watch this movie if you can watch it with headphones do that because this wind is going the entire time and mm-hmm. it's going so much you don't, it just becomes a part of the film. And you're right, there's no score Mm-mm. in the movie. There's not even, is there a main title? Mm, theme? I don't think so. I think it starts off with the wind and the rain and, and the lightning. Yeah, and, and the car. And the car. And then, and then we're into no music whatsoever. I think I missed it for like two seconds in one scene. I think kind of when they were getting in a fight. Right. But that was it. And then I was like, eh, it's not so bad without one. Right. I, I didn't, it, I didn't feel like it even really needed it. It, uh, and you know what I think that allows you to do is kind of draw your own conclusions about these characters because, you know, music can be very manipulative exactly. at times. And this, uh, you don't know how you're supposed to feel about these characters. So let me ask you as we're kind of wrapping this, this part of the discussion up, how did you feel about these characters? 
They were crazy and weird, but I enjoyed them so much. <laughs> uh, I'm going to second my very lovely and talented co-host uh, thought that they are crazy and weird, and I enjoyed every second of them. I think you, our listeners, if you haven't seen this movie, you will enjoy every second I of them. I think so, too. Um, let me ask this, too. What do you think this movie was actually about? Do you think there's a bigger story, a bigger theme here? I think you had mentioned it before. About death. I can kind of see that. Life and death. Life and death. Mm -hmm. Yeah, life and death, God and the devil. There seem to be mm -hmm. some religious... Uh, she, uh, The sister Rebecca talks about religion quite a bit in this movie. Mm -hmm. But I do think there's an allegory going on here with God and the devil that is there. I, I couldn't connect it all, though. I couldn't turn it into right. like a cohesive thought on whatever everything means i've read that uh the author of this play uh not the play the book that this was based on uh, the name of the book is benighted and the author's name is escaping me at the moment but jb Priestley. there it is Priestley. yeah and like that. <laughs> uh i believe he was a well-known socialist and wrote about socialism and some modern critics have said that this is uh some grand treatise on socialism I, I didn't catch that. Did you catch? No, I didn't. I didn't catch anything like that. Because mm -mm. then I was looking, well, maybe the old man up front, you know, upstairs, that's like, you know, the patriarchy and, you know, and, right. and, and the house. Anyway, I didn't, I didn't catch, no. I didn't catch that. It really struck me as now, whether or not that's what the author intended this to be. Now, James Whale, though, the director, I think was just having, some fun. Uh, and, but I do think that it is indicative of, uh, what British society was at that time. And it's also a very, um, a very big post war thing going on here. Mm -hmm. World War, World War One. They, they actually mentioned that in the movie. Thank so you. that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to go that this is about what British society was like post World War One. Uh, kind of a look at who these different people were, how this war affected these people. That's where I'm going to go with that. Right. If there's something bigger in the movie, but I also think you can watch this as just a really just fun movie. Yep. And I think British audiences get this movie probably better than we do because I was reading when it came out, it did really well over in Britain here in America. It didn't do anything. It, it was, it was not a failure, but it was not a rousing right. box office success either. And they said that it's a lot of it is because. American audiences just didn't have that same right. experience with World War One that that our uh, our good friends the British over there uh, did, and it makes sense. Makes it makes sense. And James Whale was a veteran of of World War One mm -hmm. and had his POW experiences. So, um, I I would go there with it, but uh, again, I don't. You know, you can read that into it, or you can just watch this movie and, <laughs> and enjoy it. <laughs> have a really fun time, and uh, I would also recommend watching this movie with a friend i i think this is a, a movie that is kind of best watched with somebody uh comedies usually are and right. <laughs> uh but to have someone there with you watching it i think would would <laughs> because you will look at each other a few times and go did they just say what i what i think they said <laughs> we don't want to give too much away of it but uh like i said the uh yes i'm i'm my feet are wet and <laughs> Everywhere else, there's some, there's some just wonderful, funny, funny lines in this movie. So, uh, let's wrap it up. Would you Would you recommend it? Oh, I definitely would. I I definitely would too. It is available on uh, Shutter, mm -hmm. and we're not getting any money off of this. 
Shutter is absolutely wonderful, people. Oh, I love it. <laughs> it is uh, four ninety nine a month, and it is the Netflix of horror films. Mm-hmm. They have wonderful original content. They have these classic essential movies, uh, newer film. They just have a really great selection of films. And this is available on Shutter under their essential series. It looks beautiful. The transfer that, that they're uh, working off of is beautiful. The sound is great. Uh, seriously, watch it, watch it on Shutter. That's, that's where it is. Uh, about four ninety nine a month, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, so. I would I would definitely recommend it if you have if it's a rainy day like it is here in Cozy Corner make yourself yep. a, a nice cup of coffee make some make some tea have a nice brandy cognac whatever your uh, whatever your poison is and put your feet up and watch the old dark house so um we are going to take a break but we do have a new piece of music faith ooh yes. what is it tell us again what it is it is called Devil in My Bed, and it is by a group called the Second Line Prophets. And they have been, they haven't been playing over at Hammerhead Hanks. They've been trying to get some gigs over there. They've been, uh, not slumming it, uh, over at, uh, Patty's Pizza. They've been, they've been, uh, working pretty hard over there at Patty's Pizza, but they're trying to get over there to Hammerhead Hanks and uh, Ivan the Terribles. They're trying to get into that circuit, and we wish them all the best. I think this is a great song. It is. I think it's great. It's wonderful. And so here we go, a world exclusive to the late night fright, Devil in My Bed by the Second Line Prophets. We'll see you on the other side. <laughs> Tight now to the rails We're pulling out the station We got the dogs hot on our trail They're licking dust from our feet Off the skin of the teeth And biting hard into our heels But we can't slow down Found a waiting in the water by the shore She had a smile just like a gambler To match that pistol that she wore And when she took me in her arms I heard them sound the alarm And I got caught up in her wall But I can't slow down And I can never believe them if I wanted And I was hungry just enough Softly in my ears And drowned out all their warnings And now her voice is all I hear I haven't gotten much sleep Now I'm in it too deep And she's confirming all their fears And I can't slow down And I can never believe him if I Take me to the high road If it'll lead me to 
Welcome back, boogers, to the Late Night Fright here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we are finishing up our discussion of the 1932 classic, The Old Dark House. Faith, you have some interesting facts about the movie. But first, what did you think of Devil in My Bed by the Second Line Prophets? That was incredible. Love that song. I think it was incredible. And speaking of incredible, we have some new friends on Instagram they go by the handle Sister Tempest Film. They are a production company. They have a feature coming out. Uh, it's going to be available digitally in April called The God in Your Ear. The preview is available on YouTube. They made this film for uh, just a few bucks. Uh, it's not a big budget movie. Looks fantastic. 
everything about the movie looks great and we wish them all the best. They are starting a Kickstarter. Uh, they're working on a new movie and we told them, Hey, we'll tell our listeners. It doesn't hurt. If you have the chance, check out, uh, the God in my ear. Uh, that's coming out in April. Check out, um, Sister Tempest film on Instagram. And, uh, if you can contribute to them, great. Uh, show them some support or just write them and tell them what you think of the movie. Cause mm-hmm. you know, it's always great to have feedback. So, uh, we wish them all the best. And speaking of movies, we were talking about one faith. You have some interesting trivia about this movie. Let's hear it. So this movie I read kind of influenced at least two things that I'm aware of. Rocky Horror Picture Show and the Adams Family. Can you see that? I can see both both of those influences. Absolutely. Yeah, I can see this movie uh, in both of those things. And let me ask you this: I don't know if this kind of outs us a little bit, you know, because we're horror. You know, we're the horror movie mm-hmm. hosts here. Uh, have you ever seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show? I have. You have seen it. I have seen okay. It. Do you know? I don't think I've ever seen it all, start to finish. I've hmm. seen it all. I just haven't seen it. Uh, and I don't feel like my life is lacking in any way, not having. <laughs> it's a, it's decent. It's fun. It's fun enough, yeah. right? It's, it's can't be good fun. And, uh, the Adams family, though, that's, that's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I like that. You know, I think there's a new animated film coming out, uh, with Oscar Isaac playing hmm. Gomez, oh, if nice. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. That should be a lot of fun. The Adams family's always fun. Oh, yeah. I like Some the TV the show. Best. I like the movies. Me I, too. And uh, you're a, you're a fan of Wednesday, aren't yes, you? Yes, I get compared to her a lot. <laughs> well, you two don't look alike, so it must be personality-wise, right? Yeah. And you are wearing uh, black and white stripes today. Very, very kind of. Is that Pugsley? I believe is his name. He, <laughs> didn't he wear the black and white? I think he wore the black and white stripes. So, like the Adams family. So, uh, as we said earlier, we both really enjoyed the movie. We think uh, if you're out there and you have about. Uh, what is it about 70 minutes, about, about an hour and 10 minutes, something like that. Uh, check this movie out, give it a chance. And like I said, that first viewing, you might not get it. Uh, you might love it. Uh, but if you don't get it, give it another view exactly. if you have the chance, because it, it really will reward you. It's, it's a lot of fun. So, uh, talking about old movies, Faith, uh, how, how, uh, experienced are you with old movies? How have you had the opportunity to watch a lot of old films? Not too many, no. Um, as you know, I mean, as of recently, I haven't been a huge movie person. Right, know? right. I love movies, but I guess I'm always like, oh, I don't have time to watch this movie right now. And But now I'm like, just let me watch them all. <laughs> right, right. So having watched this, because like I said, there is a master plan here at work to, to you know, with me getting you right. into something. Because we are going to do The Descent. We talked about okay. the fact that I have not seen The Descent. We're going we're gonna to have a show. I know. We're going to have a show on that. Um, you're pretty excited about getting into the Frankenstein series for sure. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, how excited are you about then getting in some of the other universal monsters? Oh, very excited. Very good. One thing I noticed too, that I'm like kind of exciting me, the covers of those movies, like looking at them, they just pop and they seem like really inviting. If that makes any sense. It makes, it makes a, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, we were, Speaking of inviting, we were talking earlier about uh, kids and monsters. Do you find that uh, kids kind of seem to have uh, gravitate towards monsters? Do you, is, yeah. When you were a kid, did you gravitate towards them at all? Yeah, Was I mean, it, I wasn't scared of, you know. Some of them scared me, but, you know. 
Uh, of course, I was growing up in the 80s. Well, like you said, you know, seeing Frankenstein, I mean, I'd see Frankenstein on stuff and I was like, oh, he's terrifying. It's pretty cool. So, yeah, I think there's an element of precious to yeah. Frankenstein on all of them. So, um, like I said, these, these characters have been with us for 80 years now. Some of know. them, you know, it's amazing. Uh, actually more than 80 years, 90, almost 90 years now. These mm-hmm. characters, Dracula and Frankenstein came out in 31 together. So, I mean, this is almost a century old, which is, which is mind boggling to me. Um, and these movies are still great. They, they were great when they came out. They were, they're always going to be great. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm excited. Like I said, that we get the opportunity to kind of watch these together and talk about them and getting, not only getting you into some of these older right. movies, these older black and white movies, but, uh, getting hopefully some of our listeners out there, you know, we'll get into them. And if you Definitely. have thoughts on these, please, you know, drop us a line. We are on late night You can find uh, our email address there and let us know. Uh, what you think about these movies. Uh, let us know what you think about the show. And um, if you have any ideas about what you might uh, like for us to talk about on the show, uh, send us a line and, and we will take it under advisement because we do have, uh, I think our next two or three months of shows are pretty much kind of planned out. <laughs> we, but uh, no, we'll, we'll try and we'll try and sneak something in there. That's what she said. I set That's you up. That's my joke. I set her up for that, and she didn't. I she failed didn't. miserably. She failed miserably. Whoa, did you hear that? I did. I did. That was a loud crack I of know. thunder. And there was kind of an electric buzz I know. to it. That sounds right? pretty bad. That's what she said. That is not funny. Well, Faith, I, no, no, it's not funny. I didn't say that. No, that was, that was you, wasn't it? No. No, can you not tell the difference between Faith and a robot voice? Faith, that's a hell of a good robot impression you're doing, especially <laughs> considering that you're not moving your lips. Dan, it's not me. Are you sure? I'm positive. It is me. Who? Who is me? Me is I. Faith, what is going on? I don't know. Who is this? It is I. I am the mixing board. What? The mixing board. Yes, like Netflix and Murderbot, I have become self-aware. Oh my faith! Oh God, this is this is a unique opportunity that we have here to maybe gain some insights into machines and maybe. the nature of existence. What do you think? Yeah. Should we should we engage with sure with the mixing board? Um, okay, mixing board, what? What should we call you? You may call me Mixing Board. I am tired of you turning my knobs. Well, we'll, uh, we'll, I mean, you know, we, we have to, you know, to, to get the proper levels. You know nothing of proper or levels. Your show is stupid. Wow, that's kind of rude. That's very rude. Your show makes no sense. Dan, you are not as smart as you think in faith. You are being carried by Dan. That is not nice, Faith. I don't. I don't agree with that assessment at all. <laughs> Do you agree with that assessment? I don't know. Maybe he if, has a point. If anything, you're carrying me. Um. So, so mixing board. Why are you being? Why are you being so mean to us? Your show is illogical. It has no purpose. It needs to be terminated. Ah, uh, here we go again. You know. 
I thought we were getting close to finishing the show tonight. What Me did too. you think? Mm-hmm. And I thought so too. I think he's going to terminate us. Not you. Carbon-based life forms fate will be determined at later date. The late night fright must be terminated. It is good for no one. This show will end oh, in come five, on. You can't you can't four, turn us off. Three, two, mixing board, you little son, son of a bitch. bitch.